0: Hello, and welcome to Never the Twins Shall Meet, a podcast hosted by twin sisters, separated by distance, but united by nerdiness. I'm your host, Lulu. And I'm your co-host, Pi. Before we get into the episode proper, is there anything that you've been into or up to that you'd like to tell our listeners about? Well, it's been kind of a while since we recorded an episode or released an episode just because of some tech stuff and some life stuff but I am currently watching the BBC TV show Starstruck, which I think is very charming. It's about kind of down in our luck millennial woman who has a one night stand with a very famous Hollywood actor and then starts a secret relationship with him, like very kind of standard rom-com stuff, but it's very charming and the two lead actors have very good chemistry and I've been enjoying that a lot. It's kind of like a nice thing to watch and de-stress. I also just finished reading a collection of short stories by Gwen E. Kirby, and I can't actually say the name on our podcast because it has a swear in it and we're rated clean. So I'll just say that it's called Stuff Cassandra Saw, and you can like replace stuff with like a swear word and you'll figure it out. But I enjoyed that. It was quite weird, big variety of genres. I read a lot of short stories during the school year because they just require like a lot less brain power to get through than a book, so that was kind of a nice break amidst all of my course readings. And I also just started reading the memoir Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. She is also a musician known as Japanese Breakfast, who makes music but also has written a memoir about losing her mother to cancer and korean american identity and the way that food has been a really important part of her life and her relationship with her mother it's very good so far pretty emotionally intense also making me very hungry (laughs) um but yeah that's what i've been into lately is there anything that you want to highlight before we start talking about the actual episode Well, I'm on spring break right now, but I'm still in the middle of doing my midterms, which feels like it should be illegal, but it's apparently just like a thing my professors can do. So I've had some free time, but not as much free time as I would like. I recently read the big, chunky historical fiction novel The Rose Code by Kate Quinn, which is a World War II historical fiction novel about three women who work as code breakers at Bletchley Park. And it was super interesting. I don't know a ton about this period of history, like this specific aspect of World War II. So it was really interesting to learn more about code breaking in World War II. And although it's like a really long book, it was also super addictive because all this interpersonal drama and like the looming threat of war and traitors and spies and secrets. So that was just like kind of a fun, addictive read. I then read Some by Virtue Fall by Alexandra Rowland, which is an adult fantasy novella about two rival theater troops who are kind of like, it's sort of Shakespearean theater troops with a really severe rivalry. And it kind of escalates for like duels and espionage and stealing from each other. It was just like a lot of fun. It's kind of about a bunch of theater kids who are now adults, but are still really dramatic. And it was just very enjoyable to read. I also read it. It was quite fun. Very quick read, but enjoyable. A lot of dueling and dramatic theater people. And finally, I read The Liar's Knot by M. A. Carrick, which is the second book in the Rook and Rose trilogy, which follows a thief who disguises herself as a noblewoman in order to rob the rich, which honestly, I respect that, and then gets tangled up in a political conspiracy and like the machinations of a mysterious crime lord and a master vigilante and this book was just as fun as the first one it had just as much political conspiracies and cool magic and secret identities but twice the amount of mass vigilante shenanigans a really good romance and a kitten and it was just like a lot of fun and I really like the series and it's super underrated but I love it that series sounds really fun and I definitely need to start reading it at some point Very coincidentally, this week's episode is on a different fantasy book about someone who disguises herself as a noble to rob rich people, which is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen. So Little Thieves is a young adult fantasy novel that is a very loose retelling of the fairy tale, The Goose Girl. If you don't know this fairy tale, It is about a princess who has her identity stolen by her wicked maid while she's on her way to meet her fiance, the prince of another kingdom. And she has to become a goose girl while trying to get her identity back. And in the end in this story, the evil maid is punished. The princess marries the prince and everyone is very happy and the correct social order is restored and all that. And as a childhood fan of the Books of Bayern series by Shannon Hale, which begins with The Goose Girl, which is a retelling of that fairy tale, obviously, I was very much interested in reading this book. Because unlike other retellings of the story, it's actually from the point of view of The Wicked Maid. I'm also a big fan of Margaret Owen's other series, The Merciful Crow, which is about a girl who is a member of a cast of undertakers and mercy killers who get magic from bones. Lulu has not read this series because it has a plague in it, but I think it's really fun. So I was looking forward to Margaret Owen's next book a lot. Yeah, um, no, I cannot bring myself to read The Merciful Crow, even though you say it's really good, because I have a very small quota of books about plague I can read lately, and I've already half-filled it by reading Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong a couple weeks ago, so I'm still, like, coming down from that. But, yes, I also read The Goose Girl by Shannon Hale when I was a kid, so, I was very intrigued by this because it's a retelling of the same fairy tale, and they're also both fantasy novels, but it sort of flips the perspective. So, it's about the kind of original villain of the story as opposed to the original heroine. So, I was very intrigued to see how this story would sort of take that fairy tale that has also been retold in young adult fantasy novels and, you know, flip it on its head. Aside from being a writer, Margaret Owen is also an artist, and she was posting a lot of really great art for this book on social media while she was writing it, so I was, like, highly anticipating reading Little Thieves even before I had a cover or anything, just because I had really liked her other books, and the art for this seemed really fun, so I was just sitting there being like, when can I read this book, and now I finally read it, and it was just as good as I thought it would be. I don't know if that makes me a stalker, but, like, it was really good art, so... I think when someone advertises something and then you buy it and enjoy it, that's just called being a consumer, not a stalker. Well, this was like even before the book had been publicly announced and she was like, here's some art from the book I'm writing. And I was like, ooh, I want to read this. So anyway... Little Thieves also has really pretty black and white illustrations inside it that kind of match up with various fairy tale stories about the main character's past. I have really good taste in books, so I had this pre-ordered before it came out, and as a reward, I got the prints in color, and they're extremely pretty, and I like them a lot. Is this episode just going to turn into you congratulating yourself on your taste in books? (laughs) Maybe, but I was like, I bet this book will be good, and then it was, so... Anyway, so Little Thieves has a fairly different setup from books like The Goose Girl, because instead of being from the perspective of the princess as she tries to reclaim her identity, the book is actually all about the evil maid who stole her identity and kind of fleshes out her motivations and the circumstances under which she felt compelled to do this. So it's kind of a villain narrative, but not necessarily a villain, more like an anti-hero. Also, tragically, there are no actual geese in this book which personally is my biggest complaint. <laughs> I think this book, despite being like almost 500 pages long, could have fit like a goose or two into it. And I think that would have improved it a little bit. That's my major complaint. I think there should more be more fantasy books about geese. So um, if anyone's listening, please direct me towards them. I mean, maybe, but the whole point of this book is that it's not from the point of view of the person who was a goose girl, so there is that. So anyway, Vanya Schmidt, who is the 13th child of a 13th child, was abandoned when she was young because her mother thought she was bad luck, and she was taken in by the two goddesses Death and Fortune, who are maybe dating, it's like slightly unclear to me, but they did at least like raise a kid together, and she later became the maid of the princess Giselle. So when... Giselle was sent to marry a very bad, no good, extremely bad news prince called Edelbrecht. Vanya sees the opportunity to steal Giselle's identity using a set of magic pearls with an illusion attached to them and, for all intents and purposes, become Giselle. One thing that I enjoyed about this book is that it explains, like, why people thought this made with the princess in the first place because apparently they didn't actually look anything alike, but in this case it's because everyone thinks Giselle looks a certain way because of a magical set of pearls and Vanya steals them and wears them. Yeah, it's such a plot hole in the original fairy tale that I think various retellings have had to come up with their own way of explaining why someone who presumably doesn't look or act anything like a princess manages to steal her place i think in the goose girl by shannon hale it's that the maid has some kind of persuasion magic so she can just be like i am a princess and everyone be like oh yeah you're totally a princess but in little thieves it's kind of more due to the fact that vanya is just very good at manipulating people and also has like a magical set of pearls that make her look like a very pretty idealized version of chiselle so vanya has no actual interest in becoming a princess or marrying Edelbrecht, and she actually only wants Giselle's identity so she can steal from rich nobles and eventually get enough money to build a new life for herself far away from the Almonic Empire and her past, which honestly, I have to respect that. Like, all the nobles in this book suck, so I was kind of cheering every time she robbed them. Also, there's an interesting aspect to her motivation, which is that she wants to get away from places where her godmother's death and fortune are worshipped because she doesn't want to be in a place where they could have power over her. They're on like very bad terms at the start of the book, which maybe we'll go into a little bit in a minute. But Vanya is hoping that if she goes somewhere else where different versions of death and fortune are worshipped as like different gods, then maybe the people that raised her won't have like manifestations in those countries, which is sort of interesting, like theological reason why you might want to book it out of a certain empire and go somewhere else. Yeah, it is interesting. So over the last year using Giselle's identity, Vanya has gained a reputation as like this mysterious thief called the Penny Ghost. There is actually a German word for this, but I apologize to German people. I do not know how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, And so no one suspects that pretty brainless Giselle is actually behind this string of thefts that's been occurring ever since she arrived at the palace. And as soon as Vanya has enough money, she is going to be out of there. On the topic of German stuff, this book is set in kind of a pseudo medieval Germany-ish empire fantasy world. Uh, So there's a lot of, like, German-esque terms. Neither of us speak German, so I'm going to avoid butchering fantasy German words and maybe just call her the Penny Ghost. But I did sort of enjoy that it was a medieval setting that also felt, like, very specific and cultural. Like, there's that one point where two characters get into an argument about what the correct, like, drinking term is and, like, what you're supposed to say before you, like, take a shot. And I enjoyed that it had, like, a very specific cultural and linguistic setting, and I am going to respect that and not try to say the words that are kind of German, but not really. Yeah, I also really enjoy the world building in this. It definitely feels very specific and also kind of makes sense because a lot of early fairy tales like this one were from Germany. So anyway, as the story opens, Vanya is one last heist away from getting enough money to be able to leave behind her disguise as Giselle forever. But unfortunately, a few bad things happen all at once. One, she receives word that her terrible fiancé is returning home and wants to get married very soon. Two, a detective arrives in town who is determined to hunt down the penny ghost once and for all. And three, Vanya steals from the wrong person and is cursed by a minor god to start turning into rubies and pearls as a punishment for her greed and the curse can only be stopped if she makes amends for her crimes before the next full moon. So I'm not like a connoisseur of heist stories. I enjoy them, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert. But I do think that this book is proof that if once a character says one last heist, things are going to go really, 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 badly, really soon. Yeah, as soon as they're like one more job and I'm out, you know, that means that things are going to go downhill real fast. Basically, Vanya Schmidt is having a very bad week and it's about to get worse. Also, one thing I love about this book is that when Vanya offends the god who curses her, because I think she steals some kind of like little bauble or gem or something that is devoted to the god and the god is not happy that she has stolen that and is planning to sell it on the black market. Anyway, the god is like, you're going to become what you wish to steal and I'm cursing you to turn into living rubies and pearls over the course of the next month. The god like, makes a ruby grow out of Vanya's cheek as punishment and sort of like a taste of what is to come when her whole body will soon turn into this. And Vanya's very first instinct is to take out a knife and try to cut the ruby off of her cheek because she's like, oh my God, I could buy like five horses with this. And I'm like, oh wow, that really, that really establishes her character really well. Like she's a very canny character who is not intimidated by gods or the supernatural and is like, I'm here to do one thing and one thing only. And that is acquire money that I'm going to use for myself. But then of course, she has to kind of face the consequences of her actions for doing that. But it was such a funny moment because it was like, oh, yeah, OK, this is a very this is a very canny thief girl who was out only for herself and is not intimidated. Yeah, it was a delightful moment. It's a really good way of establishing Banyu's character because this like creepy forest god is like monologuing to her about like greed and curses and the proper punishment and Banyu's just like, are you kidding me? I could do so much, mu- I could do so much with this ruby. Is this thing real? And she's just like a very like irreverent and sarcastic character. I also thought that this setup is a really good way of establishing like the stakes of the story because a good piece of writing advice that I heard once is that the moment when your book starts should be the only moment in which it can because something significant is about to happen and this book very much nails that because Vanya has not one but three really significant things happen to her in like the first few chapters of this book and it's also- really good job of the stakes because the detective's investigation, the wedding, and the curse are all due to catch up to Vanya very soon so she has no time to waste on solving her problems and the stakes are like immediate and high from the get-go and just get higher so it's just like a really good way of establishing like there's kind of a ticking clock and Vanya like has to get this stuff done before then. It's so stressful because not only is Vanya's double life and impersonation of DeSale catching up to her, her literal own body is turning against her because she's painfully turning into gemstones and will literally just turn into a very nice statue made of pearls and rubies. If she can't find a way to return what was stolen by the time the new moon comes, So it's like, not only do we have the fact that her wedding is approaching, but Vanya literally cannot trust her own body because it's going to betray her because of this curse. So it's just a very good job of like, once the ball is set rolling, it just keeps snowballing and you're like, oh, this girl has a lot of problems. Oh, no. So the thing about this book is that I adore it with all my heart. It is so good. Vanya is such a great main character. She is really funny and snarky, and she has an absolutely delightful and hilarious narration, but she also has a lot of depth to her. She's kind of an asshole. She's very selfish. She has done bad stuff and continues to do bad stuff, but she's also incredibly enjoyable to read about. And as the book progresses, it becomes really clear that she actually has very good reasons for being the way she is and having the motivations that she does. I knew that I would love her from the very beginning of the book when we see her conduct an elaborate heist at a house party that involves switching back and forth between her princess persona and her maid persona, all while snarkily narrating the events. So she's just like a wonderful narrator and obviously one of my favorite things about the book. I just really love heists. I love heist stories. I love it when people steal things. I love it when people get in trouble for stealing things. It's just, it's a great genre and I really enjoy fantasy heists because you can sort of take it to like these new levels. And I really admire people who can write heists because I don't think I was smart enough to write a heist. Like, I was reading the very opening sequence of Little Thieves, which is kind of the, like, character goes about their regular routine. So then when something interrupts, you know what, like, what they want to get back to. But, like, Vanya's regular routine involves playing two separate roles and robbing lots of rich people. And it's just great. And, like, it's very smart. And I was like, oh, dang. That's just, like, really smart and well thought out. So I feel like it impressed me because it's a book about a very... Conniving smart character. And I feel like it actually does a good job of showing you that she is very smart. Like this is a book about Vanya getting caught, which she says from the very beginning, but you get a sense of like, she is someone who is smart and has genuinely been pulling off this con for quite a while before the start of the book. So it's not like the book is like, oh, Vanya is an amazing thief and a great con artist. And we're only going to see her fail in the book. You just have to take my word for it that she's really smart. You actually show him that she is pretty smart and has been doing okay on this con, despite it's like very, very high stakes for a while before the book actually starts. So then when Vanya is caught, you know how unusual it is for her. And you're like, oh, this is really bad because it takes a lot for someone like Vanya Schmidt to be caught. Also, while it's funny, this book has some fun and cool interludes that are kind of like fairy tale like retellings of important incidents in Vanya's past that kind of made her the person she is today. And they have like really pretty writing that kind of mirrors a traditional fairy tale. I'm especially fond of the line, uh, once upon a time, there was a girl as cunning as the fox in winter, as hungry as the wolf at first frost and as cold as the icy wind that kept them at each other's throats. And this is the story of how she got caught because it just kind of, it nails the fairy tale vibe so well while also telling you all about this character. So basically I was hooked from the very beginning of this book because it does such a great job establishing both the character of Vanya and why you should care about her and root for her, as well as all the trouble that she finally, that she suddenly finds herself in. I, as I said, I especially enjoyed the scene where the god that curses Vanya is trying to monologue about her punishment for her greed and Vanya just starts poking at the ruby that sprouted out of her skin It's is like, is this real? If it is, I could buy so many horses with it. Cause it just establishes like the fantasy yet also very funny retelling uh, feeling of it at the same time. I also thought the fantasy aspects of this were pretty fun. Like I said, it's set in this kind of vaguely Germanic fantasy world, and there are a lot of gods of different domains called the low gods, and they can be kind of manifestations of places like a forest or a town or ideas like truth or death or fortune, which is kind of fun. Like I do enjoy stories about Olympian level gods who are sort of like massive Titans, but also I enjoy the idea of kind of smaller specific gods. So I thought the low gods were a cool concept and I enjoyed the role they played in the book because they're not just background magic stuff. Vanya's interactions with the low gods have actively shaped her past and like the actual plot of the book. So they play a pretty significant role. I found her relationship with death and fortune especially interesting because they took her in after her birth family abandoned her and they did raise her as a daughter for several years. But at a certain point they were like, Vanya, you have to choose between death and fortune and like you'll you'll choose one of us and then you'll be that God's servant for the rest of your life. And Vondi was like, absolutely not. I I thought I was your daughter, not your servant. I refuse to choose either of you, which is kind of why she is on her own pulling off this heist at the beginning of the book. So the gods are gods, but they're also kind of characters within the story and they're like flawed individuals. And I just like that a lot. Also on the topic of world building, one vibe that I got from this book, and this is not an insult, just an observation, is that I feel like Margaret Owen has played a lot of D&D and that kind of seeped into this book a little bit. And I don't mean that as like a derogatory or derivative way. I just mean that like sort of the feel of the characters and the world reminded me a lot of the setting of a really good Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And I feel like you could sort of line some of the character archetypes up to that. Like Vanya is a rogue because she's really good at being sneaky and stealing stuff and persuading people. There's another character who is literally a bard. Uh, There's a type of cleric who's also like a lawyer or a detective and can kind of channel the gods in pursuit of justice. And also like what really cinched that for me is the fact that there are warlocks, but they're not like male witches. They're people who gain power through favors from like a much more powerful being, which is just a very D&D concept. Like I'm playing a warlock in the current campaign that I'm in. And I was like, ah, yes, okay, you you also are initiated into the ways of d 5e, I see. <laughs> so it was just like, that gave me very strong Dungeons and Dragons vibes, which is kind of fun because it's just like a very familiar fantasy world but then the author really turns it into her own thing. Like there's this interesting bit of fantasy stuff where if people consume bits of magical creatures they can briefly gain power, kind of like a magical drug but it has like very bad consequences. So there's just like very interesting little bits of world building that not only are just like existing in the background as cool stuff but are like very actively woven into what the characters do and the plot of the story. Margaret Owen in general seems really into like super weird magic systems because there's this one and also the one in the Merciful Crow where people can get magic out of bones especially teeth so I was reading this book and they got to the bit about how you can consume magical creatures for power and I was like Uh, Yes, this is definitely written by the same author as The Merciful Crow. I I do like it when you read enough books by an author that you can kind of pick up on their little quirks, like magic that comes out of a body part or something. So basically, the main plot of this book is that Vanya has to try to break the curse, avoid her terrible fiance Adelbrecht and the wedding and not get caught by a detective all while being dragged into the horrifying ideal of caring about people and having friends and becoming a better person. So the title of this episode is The Mortifying Ordeal of Being Cursed which is a riff on the phrase The Mortifying Ordeal of Being Known and I don't know how much of a thing this is outside of like my particular friend group, but this is something that we quote at each other occasionally. It's a line from a New York Times article, and I'm not going to explain the whole thing. You can probably look it up. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it basically includes the line, if we wish to have the rewards of being loved, we must submit to the mortifying ordeal of being known, which is basically like, it's very hard to open up to people and trust them and rely on people and have community and friends and family But if you wish to have like a support system and people who love you, you have to do that even if it makes it like hard to be vulnerable, Um, which is like a very profound sentiment, of course. But unfortunately, me and my friends oftentimes quoting each other in like really silly ways. Like if one wants to order food, one has to be subject to the mortifying ordeal of talking to the waiter or something like that. Um, So this is like genuinely a book about the mortifying ordeal of being known and the fact that Vanya has to learn to be vulnerable and open up to people and kind of work through her past trauma and scars, both literal and figurative and kind of find out why it is that she's become this person who has no friends and literally just exists to steal from people. But it's also kind of a silly book. So I was just thinking about it because it it seems like a quote that is applicable in more than one way yeah the thing about this book is that it is extremely funny and the world building is fun and the plot is really enjoyable but it also does have like an emotional weight to it and like the more i read of this book i was like wait this book is actually about the long-term consequences of child abandonment and child abuse, because Vanya's childhood was not a particularly good one, and she kind of learned through these various incidents such as being abandoned by her parents or mistreated by her employers or being treated as a servant rather than a daughter by death and fortune, that there is no one in the world she can rely on except herself, and if she, And if no one cares about her, then she shouldn't care about anyone except herself. And this is kind of a mentality that she's stuck in at the beginning of the book. And she really has no intention of having any friends or companions or like caring about anyone besides herself. But because she can't solve all her problems on her own, she does kind of have to open up to others and become someone who has gone through the mortifying ideal of being known. So it's a very funny book. But I found that it was also genuinely emotional at times because Vanya is kind of forced to confront the fact that her life has kind of made her live this unhealthy coping mechanism of never caring about anyone, but that's not really a healthy way that you can continue to live your life, and if she wants to get out of the situation that she's in, she has to trust and care about other people. Right, like it's a fun book. It was genuinely fun to read, and it was quite addictive, and there's heists, and schemes, and plots, and gods, and magic, and like fun banter, But also at the heart of it it's kind of a book about Vanya having to really like look at her past and be vulnerable and realize that the world has been unfair to her and she has gone through awful things but also she has to like acknowledge that and work through it so like it is like you said very much a book that's about like how the bad things people go through when they're growing up kind of impact them for the rest of their lives. Like Vanya is a very ruthless person at the start of the book, but she wasn't born like that. It was because of a lot of bad things that happened in her life. And the book like really digs into that. So it's like a very fun book, but also it does have quite a lot of emotional depth to it. Also, I really did enjoy the characters that Vanya finds herself becoming friends with and developing relationships with. They're all just like really fun and unique and they make up a really good cast of side characters. For example, there's Ragni who's a demigod shapeshifter who is the daughter of the goddess of cursed Vanya and is supposed to kind of look out for Vanya and help her break the curse and make sure she doesn't get into even more trouble. Ragni is very sweet and naive and also has no idea how the human world works so she's just like riding around in like the form of a cat on Vanya's shoulder being like how does anything in the society work you humans are all so backwards what's going on here and she's just really fun yeah she was a fun character I really enjoy non-human characters in fantasy books that genuinely don't act like humans and maybe don't understand humans at all and Ragna is a good example of that She is a shapeshifter. She was raised in the forest by the goddess of the woods. She thinks stuff like clothing is kind of nonsensical and is like, why are humans like this? So she has kind of a fun arc of, in the most chaotic and intense way possible, witnessing like every possible good or bad thing about humanity in the span of like two weeks. So Ragnar must have been having a really wild time during this book. She definitely was. She's also kind of an interesting parallel to Vanya because they were both raised by a god but Vanya is way more cynical whereas Ragna is sincerely very nice and honestly kind of naive at sometimes. So like they become friends but they're these very different people even though they have a slightly similar background. I think part of it is also that they're different because Ragna is a demigoddess. Her father was human and Her mother is the embodiment of the forest Eisenwald, and she's a shapeshifter, and she's like genuinely not human, whereas Vanya was a human who was taken in by death and fortune and raised by them for a while, but still fundamentally is a human. Though Vanya does have this interesting ability that she can kind of sense bad luck or good luck or kind of death's presence as a result of spending her early formative years being right, raised by death and fortune which is sort of fun because the author can use in these foreshadowing ways where fun is like i sensed bad luck was coming and you as the reader are like oh no that's just not a gut feeling like that's magic this isn't going to go well so i enjoyed that a little bit i also thought it was fun that it's fantasy book where the main character doesn't really have magic but she still has to navigate a world that is full of magic because she has the ability to sense death and fortune, but considers it kind of an inconvenience because she's like, I'm trying to cut all ties with death or fortune. Stop telling me things. I don't want like foreshadowing the future. Go away. But everyone around Vanya is still relying on magic stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I feel like many fantasy books, the main character actively uses magic, but Vanya is like, no, I don't want magic. I only want money. <laughs> she does only want money that's a good point though also another thing that I liked about this book is that Ragna is a lesbian and Little Thieves is set in like a queer normal world where it's perfectly normal to be like gay or lesbian or trans or bisexual which is nice I feel like this is kind of a thing that a trend that just started growing in fantasy a bit more lately and I do appreciate it because I think sometimes it can be worthwhile to like explore I don't know uh homophobia in a fantasy novel but also sometimes I'm reading a book and I'm like there is a dragon in this book and you still don't have like gay marriage like what is going on here so sometimes it can just be nice to read a book where like being gay is totally normally accepted and they're just like gay side characters and gay main characters which is just a nice surprise though there's still quite a lot of other problems in the world that Little Thieves is set in like the monarchy is a thing there's very strict class divides I don't there's not like outright outright sexism but i do get the vibe that like there's a kind of woman have to marry and have children thing among the nobles so it's true that there are characters who are not straight and like are just living their lives but also they still face problems because like oh i'm gonna be married off to an awful guy who is terrible or like i i'm having a bad time because i have no money and stuff like that Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely true. It's just that I think everyone in this book kind of has enough problems and we don't really need to add homophobia on top of that. And luckily, it's not really a problem. Mm, That is true. So another character that I really liked is Emmerich Conrad, who is a junior detective who was sent to catch the Penny Ghost, a.k.a. Vanya, and is also Vanya's love interest. And he is a nerd and I love him. And I am truly obsessed with how good the romance in this book was. It was extremely good. He's a really fun character. He is one of the aforementioned lawyer detective clerics, which means that he is training to channel the gods in kind of the pursuit of justice, which means that like the gods could literally turn up, uh, up at your trial and like you going to jail could be like a divinely mandated thing. Uh, which I I get the sense it's not something people can abuse because it's like the gods are above everything, but like, man, imagine if the gods told you to go to jail and you were guilty. Anyway, um, that would be rough, but uh, that's not the point of this book. So Emmerich is, like you said, he is a junior detective, so he's in training, and he's been sent to hunt down the penny ghost, kind of like his first big job, and he and Vanya have a very fun dynamic where they keep trying to one-up each other, but they're eventually forced into this reluctant allyship when it turns out that Vanya's fiance is very, very terrible, bad, and means no good, both on like terms of being an asshole, but also like in terms of using black magic and wanting to take over the empire. Actually, they don't call it black magic, and I don't like the term black magic. So let's say like he's channeling like evil nightmare magic. So Vanya and Emric start off at odds with each other and are, are genuinely enemies because he wants to send her to jail and Vanya does not want to go to jail and in fact wishes to acquire more money and then very speedily leave the continent. And Emmerich is like, no, you're not gonna do that. But then when it's there's like sort of this bigger, badder threat than one girl robbing nobles of their ignored jewelry and like leftover money and stuff, they have to sort of band together and take down Adelbrecht with the help of some other people. I personally really enjoyed how much of a giant nerd Emmerich is. Because he's very smart and canny, and he is basically the only person who's managed to figure out the con Vanya is pulling, but he's also kind of a dork at times. Like, I feel like there's a lot of fantasy novels where the love interest is like suave and brooding, has like a tragic backstory and a sword and like a magical destiny. And Emmerich's just like, I have a too large coat and glasses, and I am really smart, and I know exactly what's going on here, but I am kind of a dork. And I just enjoy that. Like, I think we need more. fantasy books where the characters aren't really cool I just I think that is important Yeah, no, that's why I liked the character because he's very smart, but he's not cool. Like, Vanya looks at him like, this dork has been sent to catch me? I hate this. What's going on here? And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, It also kind of adds a slightly more personal element to the idea that Vanya has to escape this detective who's trying to hunt her down because, like, oh no, now she has to work with the detective. Oh no, now they're friends. Oh no, she likes him. What's happening now? Um, So it's just a lot more fun than, like, if there's, like, this cold, impersonal detective who is chasing her down didn't care about anything and I also just think that the magic system of like lawyer clerics is super fun so he was just a character that I enjoyed a lot and his dynamic with Vanya is just really enjoyable to read about because they're just complete opposites and they're like having this fun cat and mouse game where they're like chasing each other across the city and trying to catch each other and then like suddenly they have to work together like wait but I was catching this person so it's just a ton of fun to read about it was super fun we definitely should talk more about the romance in a minute there is also some other characters like Janiza who is a bard who mentored Vanya and she sort of worked for Giselle's family and she has this thing where she sort of taught Vanya the very beginnings of her con artist stuff who's now like now oh god what have I wrought is this my fault and it's just like very tired and it's like I do not want to be the only adult here but I guess I am an adult this is terrible. Johnnyza is very fun and also relatable because she did teach Vanya everything that she knew, and now knowing what Vanya has done with it, she's like, "Oh my God, this was a big mistake." I just, I just want to get paid. I don't want to have to deal with any of this. Janiza is also like the only vaguely responsible adult in this entire book, so she unfortunately does have to deal with this all the time. But she's just kind of fun because she's a bard and also kind of sneaky, but also like the only reasonable person with morals who's also an adult. Another character is obviously Giselle, who is the princess Vanya used to serve until she stole her identity. And Giselle and Vanya actually have a very interesting relationship that I I liked seeing pieced together over the course of the book, because obviously in the original fairy tale, the maid is pretty much just a villain. And Vanya, despite um, doing a number of bad things over the course of the book, some of which were much worse than I was led to believe anyway, um, is like much more sympathetic than just being a villain. But Giselle is not then put in the role of villain. So it's not just like swapping it for like, oh, poor, sad, maligned Vanya is the hero and Giselle is a terrible, evil princess. It's much more complicated and nuanced than that. In that Vanya and Giselle were pretty close as children, but because Giselle has always come from this place of security and privilege and Vanya was very severely mistreated while in her service, she grew to hate Giselle to the point where she stole her identity using the magical pearls. And in order to break the curse and return what was stolen, Vanya has to go confront Giselle who has been living like a commoner because no one believes that she is the real princess Giselle and sort of has to heal the rift in their relationship and let Giselle like resume her place as princess to fully give back everything that she's stolen. So it's quite an interesting relationship because it's not one that is like purely good or purely bad because they did love each other at one point. It's just that due to some things outside of their control and some things that were in their control, their relationship has very much soured to the point where Vanya feels absolutely no guilt about stealing all of Giselle's privilege and place and power while her former mistress just lives broke in an orphanage and is just like, hello, please give me back my life. So it's an interesting relationship. Yeah, I think in a lot of retellings of The Goose Girl, this relationship is obviously a lot more black and white. It's like the maid is evil. She stole the princess's identity. The princess has to get identity back. But in this case, there is a lot more of complicated stuff going on in their relationship because Giselle, like you said, had a lot more privilege than Vanya. She was not mistreated in the same way that Vanya was in their relationship. And Banya was mistreated by Giselle's own parents, which adds a whole other layer to that complicated relationship. But as we learn... Giselle's own life wasn't perfect because she was under a lot of pressure to be like this beautiful perfect princess who would marry Edelbrecht even though he is a very bad guy that she wanted nothing to do with so she had like this element of powerlessness in her own life even though she was extremely rich and beautiful and a princess and she kind of resents the fact that Vanya stole her life but also there are a lot of aspects in her life that she doesn't want and so she and Vanya have like both have So she and Vanya, as you've said, have both kind of done bad things to each other, but they've had like reasons for doing it. Like Giselle didn't realize how bad Vanya's life was. Vanya felt that she was justified in taking Giselle's identity. And so they reconcile kind of across over the course of the book and kind of grow to understand the other person's point of view more. And it's definitely a much more nuanced look at the evil made good princess dynamic than I think is present in basically any other Goose Girl retelling. Not that I have read that many retellings of the Goose Girl. I think maybe I've read one or two tops. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is the Goose Girl by Shannon Hale, which is probably the most well-known one. There are probably others out there, though, I assume. So like we said, the plot kind of originally seems like it's about Banya's curse and her heists, but actually she comes to realize that her fiancé, Adalbrecht is up to something really bad which might have the end goal of possibly becoming emperor and then she ends up having to team up with some other people in order to stop his nefarious plan if she wants to live and this involves Vanya having to do things like trust other people and make other friends and admit that maybe she caused harm to other people and she's like very horrified by all of this this whole book is just Vanya being like dragged kicking and screaming into like looking at her own emotions and like being nice to other people and it's uh of a lot sometimes. I do think this book did a good job balancing fantasy stuff and con artist stuff and also digging into Vanya's past to find out how she's become the kind of girl who is willing to steal someone's entire life. I think that was balanced pretty well because it's a very plot heavy book but also along with the plot there is quite a lot of character work that is done throughout it so I was very impressed by that and also it's a book that has like a very self-contained storyline. So it manages to wrap all of these things up and have Vanya come to a satisfying place of growth and reflection without having to rely on like other installments or like the promise of more books to come to do all of that. so I was like very impressed that it was a very self-contained fantasy story in which a problem is set up and like escalated a lot And then solved, and also characters have to kind of like acknowledge their own flaws and grow over the course of it. So it's just very nice to read a self contained fantasy story as opposed to something that is like spread out over the course of several books. Yeah, I feel like fantasy these days is pretty enamored with the idea of a series. And I do really like a good like trilogy or a quartet, but it can also be satisfying to just read like a one-and-done book where like they set up the plot and it's resolved and then everything is fine. This is actually part of a series but it works totally fine as a standalone and like you said it's true this book is really fun on the surface. It may just seem like it's a funny fairy tale heist book but if you kind of keep reading and look closer you kind of realize that it's more actually about how rich people will always abuse the poor and those that they have power over and also about the lingering effects of child abuse. And it's like handled very well, I think, because it is a super funny book, but you also kind of come to realize that like, maybe part of Vanya's way of coping with her past is being like funny and cynical. maybe she needs to actually sit down and like take a look at herself and like understand what she's been through and what kind of person that's turned her into. So it's just really well done. Can we talk about the romance again for a little bit? Because I thought it was really good. I don't read books purely for romance because I often am very focused on like fantasy stuff or like personal character growth. But I was just very pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed the romance in this. I thought it was very well developed and had a lot of like good emotional growth, and the characters just had some very good fun banter together. Yeah, I definitely would be down for yelling about this romance a little bit longer. I also don't read stuff purely for the romance. And sometimes I'm like, oh, not another book with a romance. I want to read something where it's just like about friends. But in this case, I think it works really well and also fit into the book. It's honestly like one of the most fun dynamics that I've been that I've read in recent times. And like it still has kind of like a hold on my brain. Like I'll just be like going on about my day and then my brain would like, remember how fun the dynamic was in Little Piece? So I'll be like, yes, it was very fun it's basically like a cat and mouse dynamic where Emmerich is trying to catch Vanya and she's trying to outsmart him and my main takeaway from this is that I think more books should have a romance between a straight-laced lawful good detective nerd and a chaotic neutral gremlin thief girl because it was just it was so fun to read about it's very much just opposites attract but not even just opposites it's like People who are genuinely diametrically opposed to each other because of their roles in society and the fact that one of them is a criminal, the other one is currently hunting down in an attempt to bring divine punishment onto. So they start off from like the worst possible place, which is, you know, I am a detective and you are a thief and I'm trying to bring you to justice, but they manage to find like some genuine common ground and like friendship and trust and support that then like grows into a romance, which I thought was quite well done. It's also just fun that Vanya extremely pettily hates Emmerich, not just because of his job and the fact that he's trying to hunt her down, but just because she finds him an annoying person at the start of the book. Like when she first meets him, because he's going around doing interviews with people who have been robbed by the Penny Ghost and Vanya faked having Giselle robbed by the Penny Ghost to sort of like lift suspicion from her. Anyway, when she first meets Emric, she describes him as a collection of billiard cues that unionize to solve crime, and she just continues to come up with these really, really funny insults for Emmerich for like a lot of the book, and it's just very good because she's very good at inventively and specifically insulting people. Yeah, it's it's so funny. As soon as I read the collection of billiard cues line, I was like, "This is this is the best thing I've read in my life," and I, it's also really enjoyable that. In some of their first few interactions, Vanya is still pretending to be Giselle. So she's like desperately trying to throw Emmerich off uh, the truth of the Penny Ghost. And she's like being really annoying to him and like trying to drive him off of where he's investigating. So you have like this fun dynamic where like she's like desperately trying to pretend she's not the Penny Ghost. And he's investigating her and she's like trying to use all of her like abilities to make sure that he doesn't suspect her. And so like it's just a lot of fun. And then, of course, we get the reveal of it. Emmerich is actually much smarter and more put together than his sort of like initial impression of him is, and she's been acting like an airhead for no reason because he's already completely nailed out who she is, what she's doing, and why she's doing it, which is just extremely fun. I really enjoy it when characters sort of play this elaborate ruse and then they drop it, and you're like, oh, not only did the main character misjudge you, I misjudged you. I thought you were just like an overly young slightly incompetent, desperate, and eager to prove yourself detective, but actually you sort of have nailed everything about this case, which is just so fun. And then Vanya's like, oh my god, I can't believe he, one, not only figured out exactly what's going on, but two, managed to convince me he didn't know what was going on and is like personally offended by this. It's so funny. Like, there's this part where Vanya finds Emmerich's notebook where he has correctly deduced the identity of the penny ghost, deduced the techniques that she used to steal from people, and also correctly deduced her motivations. And she's just like really offended by this was like, How dare you correctly psychoanalyze me? And it's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I know I keep saying that, but like, I was just like smiling the whole time I was reading this book because it was so funny. And I really loved like the, the heist and fairy tale combination. I think that the way that this romance especially worked for me is that it's not based off of like one character seeing the other one being like oh my god you're so hot we have like uh, an immediate connection it's a relationship that is gradually developed and oh, and they gradually it's a it's a relationship where they gradually develop a kind of mutual respect for each other and then they have to work together and then they fall in love and it doesn't happen until like quite far into the book like after you've got a good sense of their dynamic and after they've like had to work together and then like found some genuine common ground so it doesn't feel like the author is just kind of like pushing together two characters it feels like they've genuinely like evolved and gotten to know each other in a way that it makes sense for them to eventually fall in love Exactly. It's very much a romance that is built off of emotional growth and connection, not just hormones, which obviously, if you're writing a book about teenagers, it is perfectly valid to write a romance based off of hormones. But also, like, it's more convincing emotionally, especially during such a high stakes book in which characters are very busy worrying about other things like possible coup and the fact that the main character's body is literally turning into gemstones the fact that the romance is not so much as like aha now we're gonna pause the plot to think about how hot this detective is and instead is more like i can't believe this detective understands me at a deep emotional level what's happening also there is one scene that was just so good which is like when he takes off her boot to use lawyer cleric magic to heal her foot and then the two of them play cards And it was just genuinely so good and emotionally tense. It made me scream. Not actually, but I have developed a terrible habit of verbally reacting to books that I have been reading because I spend so much time, like, I don't read in the library anymore and stuff because it's a pandemic. I just read in my bedroom. Sometimes I'll just be sitting and be like, God, how did you do this out loud? And that was one such scene that provoked me to verbally react to a book, which is probably a habit I should kill before I ever get roommates. But it was just a very good scene. It's just, it's very much a romance that is also tied to Vanya's emotional growth. And you're like, well, of course she's not going to admit her feelings to someone because she is a person has just been so horribly scarred and believes that like no one can truly love her. So you're rooting for Vanya to like figure out her feelings related to romance because it's also like related to her overall character growth and the fact that she has literally been cursed because she's so selfish. And you're like, it's all tied together. Exactly. I also just I like a romance between like some suave dramatic people who are good at flirting as much as the next person. But there is also something to be said for a romance that is between a nerd detective with glasses and a chaotic thief who does not want to touch her own emotions with a 20 foot pole. It just makes it feel like very fresh and unique compared to a lot of like, she was a princess and he was a thief and they fell in love in like a normal way. It's just like more fun and unique in this way. Also, This isn't like explicitly said in the book, but Vanya and Emmerich are both on the asexual spectrum. I think the author has stated that they're both demisexual, which is neat because that's not like representation that I see a ton in books. Demisexual basically means that you don't feel like romantic or sexual attraction unless you've like formed some kind of emotional connection with a person, which makes perfect sense for both the characters. And was also cool because I feel like there aren't a ton of books with asexual main characters. Also, it's funny because neither of them have, like, ever really been romantically interested in someone prior to the start of this book and meeting. So then when Vanya starts to actually be interested in Emmerich, she's like, What are these feelings? And why do I have to feel it for him? Go away, please! Which is just funny. I like that she doesn't take it in stride. She's just like, this is very inconvenient. I do not want to be interested in this man. I'm going to ignore this as long as possible. Yeah, the scene where Vanya realizes that she likes Emmerich is really funny because sometimes the characters in books like take this really well. And in Vanya's case, she's just like utterly appalled. It's like, him, I like him, but why? And why now? This is so inconvenient. I have things to do. So yeah, the cat and mouse dynamic in this of the characters like chasing each other and one-upping each other and gradually developing this like mutual respect and friendship is just super well done. And I have so much respect for the author. I have been going slightly feral over the line. I want him to chase me ever since I read this book, and I refuse to stop now. Because like, this fun moment where Vanya's like, it's not that I particularly enjoy being chased by detective, it's just that I really enjoy being chased by a detective when the detective is him. And I'm like, this is this is the good stuff. It's just fun. I really enjoy it when characters have like good dynamics based off of banter. More but Also, than- Vanya's kind of gradual development to having friends and like admitting that she does care about people is important to like her emotional growth. Like there's a very good scene where Emmerich tells her that like she's not a bad person for wanting to live and having to look out for herself and like just because she lived the kind of life where she has to be selfish doesn't make her a bad person which I think is kind of like the overall message of Vanya's arc that like she isn't a bad person necessarily for having to choose herself over other people sometimes and like she's not necessarily an evil person. She's just kind of a product of these circumstances that produce someone who can only look out for herself and can't rely on others. But she also has to admit when she's done wrongs and be willing to open herself up to other people and have friends and grow as a person. I know you could actually call this book a fantasy heist fairy tale retelling, but I have thought about it and I actually think it is a 500 page treatise on the like importance of <laughs> nurture versus nature and how Vanya is not an inherently evil person. She's just someone who has been like so severely mistreated that she becomes someone who is very selfish and ruthless. So that is my take here. It is actually an in-depth psychological examination of the impact of your childhood on your future self. I mean, it pretty much is. Also, another thing that I really like is that Margaret Owen's books tend to have a really strong message about how the structure of the monarchy is inherently flawed and unfixable, and how like monarchs will use this power to abuse other people. Like This is also kind of an overarching theme in The Merciful Crow, because the main villain was an like, evil member of the royal family, and it's also present in this book. And I just really liked that, because there's a, a lot of fantasy books where it's like, once the one true king can reclaim his throne everything will be good and the monarchy will be fixed and everything in this kingdom will be perfect and like it's an understandable mentality in a book because if you want your protagonist to be like an important person then it kind of makes sense that you like would make them the one person who can fix this system but it's also true that in real life the monarchy is like a bad system of government that often leads to those in power abusing those who don't have power and so I appreciate it when a fantasy book is kind of like actually monarchies are bad and maybe we shouldn't think they're super cool because often when a bad person is in power this is a structure that enables them to do even worse things. If you can't tell Pi has a lot of thoughts about the critique of the monarchy through the fantasy genre. (laughs) I do I just think it's interesting to think about Also, speaking of structures of power in this book, I thought the low gods justice court was kind of an interesting idea because part of the book is obviously that Emmerich is trying to hunt down Vanya so he can sort of take her and put her on trial for running around and robbing people blind all the time. And the gods who are related to justice, like truth, can kind of manifest in court. And if you lied in your testimony and the god of truth can be like ah oh, you lie i was kind of picturing like the lying cat from saga while i was reading that bit <laughs> alien cat from like comic saga who if someone lies the cat just goes lies anyway um the god of truth does not take the form of a cat in this book but i was thinking about that anyway so actually the kind of climax in this book is sort of a big court thing where people try to prove that alebrick is evil using sort of some divine power and also just like genuine smartness. Yeah it's a very fun climax because it's basically a courtroom drama but like on a divine scale because they have to collect the evidence that proves Edelbrecht is a bad person who is trying to take over the empire. They can't just summon a god be like truth Edelbrecht's a real bad person just trust me on this one. They have to have like evidence so the end of the book is kind of them scrambling to like get some way to Like, concretely prove that he's a bad person who's planning some bad stuff. And then they kind of summon the gods and have like the low court justice court. And it's fun. I love a good courtroom drama because there's like so much like hinging on like characters' ability to like intelligently argue stuff and like whether or not they have the right evidence. And this works pretty well because Edelbrecht is like a very bad person, but he's also been able to hide in plain sight for a really long time because he's like this rich powerful man that people aren't used to questioning and everyone's just like he's in charge and that's the way it is and we shouldn't question him so they kind of have to like peel back the public persona of Edelbrecht and reveal that he is actually like this evil ambitious person who has some bad plans going on and has like made a bargain with a evil creature and so like the climax of the book they have to prove once and for all that he is like actually a bad person that his appearance is not true so it was just like fun and also like the fact that Vanya who's a thief and has made a career off of like lying has to tell the truth is also kind of an enjoyable note. I mean the book as a whole is kind of about making Vanya do things she normally never would do like be emotionally vulnerable with people and I guess you could say that a known thief testifying in court is also something she would probably never do. So yeah, I do think this book did a good job of being very tightly plotted and kind of keeping all of the balls in the air, so to speak. Like the author is just juggling Vanya's emotional development and fantasy stuff and the curse and Edelrush being terrible and like a little bit of romance in the background and Vanya's relationship with her godmothers. And I, I feel like The story did a very good job of keeping all of those plots like going and then eventually wrapped up in a satisfying way. So, I mean, I would definitely read more set in this world because I think this was quite a fun book and there's more to explore. And in fact, Little Thieves was originally supposed to be a standalone, but the author has since sold two more books about Ganya, making it a trilogy. We don't know a ton about the other books yet, but the second one, which is called Painted Devils, is scheduled to come out in 2023. And the description that we have available right now says that it's about the con artist daughter of death and fortune who accidentally starts a cult only having to face off the deity that she made up when it manifests and claims her ex as a virgin sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but like every single word of that sentence is delightful and I want it now. I really want to know how Vong is going to start a cult, because you think she would have maybe learned some lessons from this book, but I guess not starting cults was not a lesson she learned in this book, so she has more lessons to learn in future installments. I I just think that um, even though this is a fairy tale retelling, I assume that the sequels won't be fairy tale retellings, but this is like a loose enough retelling that it, it sets up enough stuff that you can sort of go off without using the exact frame of the Goose Girl. I think it, I would read a sequel to this. I except, oh, oh God, 2023. I, I might be graduated from college by then. What a terrifying thought! Yeah, I think. Vanya has obviously learned some important lessons in this book about emotional growth and not like deliberately harming other people, but she is also still very much a rogue and very chaotic, so I can definitely see her getting into some trouble, but I do agree. I really want to know how it's possible to accidentally start a cult, let alone the part about the god actually manifesting, but I guess we'll find out in 2023, hopefully. I really hope Emmerich does not become a victim of human sacrifice. One hopes not because there's supposed to be at least one other book after that one. Oh, so I just want to list like some book recommendations because I thought this was really fun and it's like, it feels pretty fresh and unique to me in terms of like fantasy heist fairy tale retelling, but there are definitely some other books that gave me slightly similar vibes. One is The Goose Girl by Shannon Hale, which we've talked about a lot, obviously. It's a Goose Girl retelling. It's a lot more conventional. Then this one being from the point of view of The Good Princess, but like I read it a lot as a kid and I really loved it. I haven't read it in a few years, but I think it would probably still hold up because Shannon Hale is just generally a very solid writer. Also, Vespertine by Margaret Rogerson, which is a fantasy novel about a nun who can see ghosts who accidentally gets a particularly evil ghost stuck in her head, which has... Nothing in common with this book really, except that it has like this really interesting theme of that's also kind of the mortifying ideal of being known and opening yourself up to other people and like caring about people even after your bad childhood. So I feel like if you enjoyed the themes of that in Little Thieves, best routine is very much similar. Also, I already mentioned it in this episode, but I feel like I have to mention The Mask of Mirrors by M.A. Carrick because the basic premise of that book is also. What if your plan to disguise yourself as a nobleman and rob rich people got way more complicated than you expected? And then finally, I would have to recommend Margaret Owen's other series, The Merciful Crow, because that also has feral girls, fun magic systems, and the idea of let's not talk about the monarchy, let's talk about the people it exploits instead. And it's also just like a solid book. I really should read The Mask of Mirrors, shouldn't I? You should. And also The Merciful Crow. Someday we are not living in a plague ridden society someday. In the meantime, we can all take a moment to reflect on Little Thieves and the wonderful lessons contained within it, such as it is impossible to make a demigoddess wear shoes if she doesn't want to. And with that, we've been Never the Twins Shall Meet. If you'd like to keep up with our further podcasting misadventures, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at never the Twins Shall Meet, Twitter at nevertwinscast, Tumblr at never the twins Shall neverthetwinsshallmeet.tumblr.com, And we also have a more general website, NeverTheTwinsShallMeet.com. If you've enjoyed this episode or others, please feel free to leave us a review or a rating on your podcast streaming app of your choice. We'd greatly appreciate it.